right? And so my story was, I drink since I've been young. I'm different. Uh, I, uh, rules don't apply to me and I'm very intense and it's very high and very low and that's what you get. And so in a way it was like, that was it. And inside I carried a narrative of fear and shame, by the way, because that was a lot of like the mask that I would put out and mm -hmm. alcohol really helped me kind of stay in that, I guess in that story, in that role. That was Pamela of My Badass Recovery, and this is the Recover Yourself Podcast. I'm your host, Martin John, and for Pamela, just like myself, relapse was a part of our recovery. Now on repeat, she has solidified her recovery beyond the superficial step work that can often be done in recovery when we're focused on a destination or just trying to stop drinking. That, although it is the most important thing, as we continue to find out in this podcast, has nothing to do with true recovery. We are also giving away another bottle of one of RK's alcohol-free drinks, so stick around to the end to find out more about that. Pamela, thank you so much for joining me. I am so delighted to be here, Martin. Thank you for I having me. I have to say, like, um, just, I mean, just in our before, before we went live, I, 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 I love you. I think like just connecting <laughs> with you and like, and like, seriously, like this is, this has been really easy and, and I'm, and I'm super excited about where this is going to go. I'm, I'm thrilled. Thank you. Yeah. You wrote me an email. You were like, I fucking love you. And I was like, Man, I love someone with an open heart. It is so hard to say those words for people. And I'm always like, oh, I love you. And I'm hugging because I think, you know, we, we get a chance to live again and we live with an open heart. And so I, I love like his bump to you. Yes, I love yeah, that we're, we're right there. Yeah. Awesome. And, and, and you know, and, and I believe the core of my recovery is love, right? And, yeah. and, and really understanding who I am and loving myself so yeah. that I can be present with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think, I mean, I'm right there with you. I think that, yeah, love is at the core. For me, it's also gratitude. You know, this idea of, I mean, they go hand in hand, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they do. You, you can't have one without the other. But I think that, um, in fact, I think that that is one of the most powerful tools because my brain is like wired to go to drama and to see the lack <laughs> and yeah. all the stuff, like the little things and the big things. Um, but I've learned to like just bring in the tool of gratitude first intentionally and then it just kind of becomes a habit right, right. and that that really is that is exactly what allows me like you to go through the day kind of open-hearted and aware yeah. you know and oh. and being aware sometimes also means crying a lot my son yeah. is like i can't believe you're fucking crying again i'm like I, it's because i notice you yeah. know i'm awake now and that's what again what recovery has done for me and how much time do you have? It's weird. I have 10 years, um, but people really, you know, kind of struggle when I say I started my journey in 2009. Those are the words that I pick because that's when I began. Um, but I had a big ass relapse in the middle. And so people are like, well, why are you counting your sobriety back then? I'm like, because it's been 10 years of learning. So I, I got sober on November 11th of 2009. And I went uh, for five years with a very black and white sobriety. It was recovery for sure. I used the 12 steps and I absolutely loved uh, my sponsor, my program, my fellowship, everything. But I think that what was missing for me the first five years was ownership and true, yeah, true ownership, like really stepping with all of me, tits up, you know, like I'm going in. And, um, and so I was kind of doing it halfway to check a box halfway to just kind of go, well, I guess this is shit I have to do, you know? 
and eventually, when the opportunity came to release that responsibility from my agenda, because I had a very busy calendar, I, I was kind of happy to say, okay, God, I got it. I'm heading out uh, to the world now as a recovered human being, and I, I, I'm not going to do this anymore. Oh boy, <laughs> very quickly, I got disconnected. It wasn't just that I stopped doing my, my program per se. It was just that I, I mean, I literally, it was like I just unplugged myself from all that was good and whole. And so I went into a relapse for two years and like make no mistake, every year I was trying so hard to get back. This wasn't a um, oh, well, might as well, <laughs> might as well try all these new beers that are available right. now. My, I mean, no, it was, it was really hard. And so I was able to get back on track with completely new, to new tools um, in 2017. And so from there on to here, of course, you know, two, two years. Um, but it's completely different now for me, um, yeah. the journey. So, yeah. so that's interesting. I talk to a lot of people about how I separate yeah. out like early, early, mid and long-term recovery and early recovery is five years. Right. And so you had those five years and you're, and, and, and you were still doing what I say is recovering from, right? Like you were, yeah. you're following the rules. You, 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 you had all the check boxes, you had all of these things, but you never owned it. Right. It wasn't yeah. like this idea of recovering to is what you came to in 2017. What, what is so cool is that you, I think I've heard you talk about, you know, what do we start to address now? Mm -hmm. uh, and man, there are so many things that I didn't have a clue, Martin, during the first yeah. five years. Like not a fucking clue. Like it never occurred to me that my addiction actually was a solution to another larger thing. Like I was always right. like, ah, selfishness and self-centeredness and causes and conditions. And don't get me wrong. I had a freaking fabulous, you know, um, sponsor who kind of, you know, in the, in the, in the core of the AA, you know, steps, step work, you know, she kind of helped me really clear certain things, but I never addressed my fear of abandonment. I never addressed um, my trauma. I never addressed the codependence that I still am working on recovering from every day. You know, the toxic relationship, really deep ingrained patterns that I developed. I, I learned and that's all I knew. Yeah. And so in recovering, in clearing the way from this horrible alcohol addiction, now all of a sudden I got uh, encountered really and the opportunity not encountered in an aggressive way I, I wish there were a better word I'm sure there is just my Rolodex sometimes gloves at this time <laughs> of night um to to really just kind of have this moment of self-confrontation what now you know I mean yes the alcohol is gone but I can't just have this level of life I need to now use this to truly elevate you know what this can be this is beautiful right because like I have to tell you that that was that you have a similar story to mine. Like I, I was sober for a year, relapsed, and when I got and I only relapsed for a day, um, so so it wasn't two years. But um, when I came to, I was just kind of like, oh, I was missing something. Yeah, I was missing something huge. Right. And and again, right. step work, all that kind of stuff. Be damned! Like you can't know what's happening. When I came back from that relapse, and that relapse, I absolutely love talking about it because it ultimately ended up being my biggest school, um, yeah. really, because I lived on that fucking illness, you know, cycle every day for the 700 and something days, like I right. said. 
um, it required it it required that I would come back with a a shit ton more humility that I was ready to put in at the beginning. So that was a process that required for me that time. B, I, I, I still went back to the 12 steps as the framework that would carry me from one place to the other. But C, I couldn't just use that. Like I had to, at that point, be willing and open to integrate even more into my toolkit, which is why I am such a huge advocate now of working through the other stuff, which my eyes were open through conversations with teachers, with mentors, through books, through podcasts, through people like you that are out there freely empowering others to step into the truth with more ownership with my recovery coach, which I didn't even know what a recovery coach was, right. you know, much less would I ever dream of becoming one. And then when someone says, look, let's start to look at your other patterns of behavior. Let's look at your other addictions. <laughs> it's like you're stepping into this field and then the veil is, is lifted. And you're like, wow, I never knew that that's why I did this and that. And so, uh, yeah. you know. so what are some, what are some things that you are um, looking at today that in, in which help you kind of escape from your life? I think the biggest one is the whole codependence and toxic addiction, love addiction, relationship addiction, that thing I've, you know, again, it's, it's that confrontation, right? With what you believe you do normally. And then all of a sudden you have the opportunity to kind of go, uh Oh, that's not the way that people normally act, <laughs> you know, right. in this context. And so I'm really fortunate. I grew up in a beautiful family, really, really incredible parents. Um, but I, I also saw a way of relating just, you know, this, this thing between the marriage and, you know, the way, again, coming from a different culture, different people, different expectations of roles of women and men and blah, blah. And so integrating that now into my life, into where I am, into, you know, my age and this culture and everything got a little mucky for me and a little confusing. And I realized I was acting out patterns that I learned that are not healthy. And so really, for me, it's awareness of not you know, focus on, on putting this or that terminology, but just being open to the things that I do that are not healthy. And, and I've known now in hindsight, again, I see everything with gratitude. I see everything as a lesson. I think that that is the way that I make it part of my growth versus any other thing. But I mean, I've had two marriages and I look at them and I, you know, I've shifted the narrative instead of saying, Oh, well, the marriage thing doesn't work for me, which I, I know I did that at some point. I love how you had a, 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 like, when you do that, you have a Southern <laughs> accent. I don't know where that came from. But like, <laughs> that was very nice. It's like, oh, yes, the marriage thing just doesn't work for me. Right, right. <laughs> I can't do that anymore. Um, I, I, I look back and I go, you know, thank God I had those experiences yeah. and that I can continue to investigate how to even have still those people in my life. You know, one is the father of my child. The other one is a person that I still very much love and care for. And, and to just see each other in the context of, of, of humans, we're all having a human experience, you know, but yeah. I, I can also choose how. I let those people into my life without 
making them my higher power without mm. that relationship becoming now the source of my happiness and without running away from my internal stuff because it's easier and more comfortable to just be focused on that. Right. Yeah. So it's easier to just point outward and like play the blame game. I'm a victim. Right. I can't do anything. Right. Like, right. and that is, you know, like, that's early recovery, right? Like that thing did this thing to me and now I have to leave that alone. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. then when you come into your own, you're like, oh, wait, I can still have a relationship with this. I don't have to engage it. Right. I, right. But like I can still offer it love for what it right. is and where it brought me. Right. It's you're absolutely right. It's that idea or this concept. And I mean, you I'm sure you hear it a ton of, oh, no, 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 no. I'm sober. I don't go into bars. Oh, no, no. Nobody can drink about around me. Oh, no, I can't have alcohol in my fridge. I mean, I get it. And honestly, each stage is different. And while we and everybody may is different there. Right. And everybody's different and everybody's journey is different. Right. But while we may begin there, I mean, let it be a hopeful idea that that's not at all what, you know, if you continue working and if you continue recovering, you become so free that that is available, right? Mm -hmm. And so like I currently have a couple of beers in my fridge because my dad was here last week and he didn't finish them. And guess what? My mom arrives in a couple of days, so I'm not going to throw them out or give them to a neighbor. I'm just going to keep them there yeah. and she's going to enjoy them. And it doesn't kill me every time I open our fridge, Absolutely. you know? And so, and it's not tempting because it just doesn't fit in your life today. It, because I know what would happen to me. And while a rationalization is not obviously the source of my recovery, because I know that my brain has been hijacked by addiction, always will be. And so I can't fuck around thinking that I can just rationalize this. Right. I, I have the experience. And, and fortunately, again, I don't want to always talk in the context of I, because at least for me, my recovery and my sobriety is 100%, you know, God given, like I, there was a shift that happened for me, but I am responsible for staying there. And so while it was something that I couldn't do by myself and through the 12 steps, I connected to that openness. Mm -hmm. I am still as a human being responsible for staying in that place, which is again, what I didn't do at some point. Right. Um, and I think that again, if I, I'm not mindful, then it's not just the drinking, but it's the other things that tap me out of who I am or who I'm meant to be. And right. I'm wired to, to tap out. That's just how I'm built. And that's well, okay. Yeah, well, that's, so yeah, speaking of that, speaking of like you, you're built in this way. Have you had over the last... Well, I mean, I guess over the last three years or two years since, since your recovery kind of solidified in this new way, have any epiphanies come to you about your journey, about like who you are versus who you thought you were? Yeah, I think, I mean, if I'm understanding your, your, your context or your question, I think that one of the things I always define myself as, okay, so I always define myself as Latina. Right. And so I was Latina and I was intense <laughs> and I was like, everything had to be very high and very low. Yes. <laughs> like everything had to mucho be drama. Mucho. <laughs> mucho drama, <laughs> which, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it is, I am like that, you know, and yes. I do feel and I, I enjoy, I, I have an exacerbation of 
senses, <laughs> you yes. know, part of the reason why I justified my drinking, right? Mm -hmm. I, uh, and I, and we always have this inherent idea that we're different. We're very special snowflakes, right? And so in my particular case, I was like, well, I'm Latina. I come from this family and to make matters even more interesting, my mother is French. And so in between the red wine and the tequila and the, you know, underage drinking that is socially acceptable in both my countries, aside from this country, but you know, like my, my, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, your brain kind of creates the story of who you are. Right. And so my story was, I drink since I've been young, I'm different. Uh, I, uh, rules don't apply to me and I'm very intense and it's very high and very low. And that's what you get. And so in a way it was like, that was it. And inside I carried a narrative of fear and shame, by the way, because that was a lot of like the mask that I would put out and mm -hmm. alcohol really helped me kind of stay in that, I guess in that story, in that role, right? Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden you take alcohol away and you're left with this, you know, shit ton of, of feelings and of emotions that you don't necessarily know how to process. And so then in my particular case, I hooked on or I latched on to a relationship in which I could then use to kind of go, okay, here's where, you know, and I'm this and I'm that and I'm that. And so, and then the relationships, you know, ends because it was one, but it was many. Like I've had that same cycle over and over and over, right? right. And so now all of a sudden in recovery, I get a chance to recreate my story and really navigate into the core of who I am. And so, yes, I am Latina and yes, I have this and yes, I have that. But at the end of the day, it doesn't fucking matter. I'm a human being that had to get rid of her fears, that had to get rid of her shame. And it's not like they go away. They're just put on a, on a different, Elizabeth Gilbert, who is one of my favorite writers, has this beautiful analogy. She goes, fear is actually useful. It allows you to stay vigilant. It allows you to not die. <laughs> it allows you to not get yourself into horrible situations, right? But at the same time, it's almost like you're, you're riding in the car with fear, but you're able to say, all right, you're not gonna be my co-pilot. You're not gonna pick the radio station. You're not gonna even be in the front, in fact. You're gonna ride in the back and just sit there. And I will look back and be mindful and honor you because you are writing life with me, but I'm not gonna let you drive, you know? And so I had to really do that with, again, the old stories that I thought defined who I was, which ultimately were really limiting in how I could relate to the world and to myself. So really, I think that that's one of the cool things, right? That now I get a chance to really reinvent the stories that just don't work for me anymore. Like I don't have to stay stuck in those ideas that were so fear-based or shame-based or either the mentality that always used to help me navigate life, which was the tapping out. It's right. always going to be there, right? And so in this new stage of, my recovery, I get a chance to, you know, be aware and then decide to shift, <laughs> you know? So I want to talk to you about awareness. Can you talk to me a little bit about what awareness has challenged you to do? <laughs> yes, it actually, that is the right word, challenges you, you know? I think it's this idea that you... Well, you have to choose. You either stay stuck in that story of uh, this is how I am. I mean, how many times have we not heard it? Oh, well, 
love me the way that I am. That's how I am. That's how I'm built. That's how I'm yeah. made. <laughs> and, and I have to say, that's what you just said with the like, like, this is who I am, right? Like earlier where you were just like, oh, I check out or I do this and like, and that's right. why I wanted to bring this up. Right. No, I hear you. I think that in the context that I said it, it's like, I'm wired like that. I really am. And, and, but that's, that's where awareness kicks in. Like, this is what I instinctively want to do. Like I instinctively want to escape. Mm -hmm. That's how I am. I mean, that's how I am because that's all I know. Like I'm 45 years old and I did that for 30 years straight up, you know, cause I, well, as a kid, I mean, but surely, you know, right, right. um, but, but then I went back for two years, but if it's not, again, if it's not escaping through alcohol, it's escaping through relationships or through work. I also struggle with work, workaholism. Mm -hmm. um, I define a lot of my happiness of how much I've gotten done. And that's also not healthy. So, so again, it's this awareness of, okay, that's how my brain is wired, right? That's my pattern. But it's in this awareness that I can now say, am I going to continue hiding there and using this as an excuse to not develop, to not be challenged? The hardest fucking thing is to have that confrontation and, and to understand the work that lays ahead, right? Because that's when we were like, yeah, no, I'm not going to fuck around with that one. No, right, right. <laughs> we do have that choice. You know, I recently yeah. came face to face with this whole thing of relationship addiction and how I've re replicated patterns over and over. Right. And yeah. you're like, oh, shit, because you realize, oh, my God, this is going to rewire and this is going to require a lot of work for me to let go of that. Mm -hmm. But again, I mean, I've become aware. So I have two choices. I can continue doing the same things and continues in that story, or I can do the work, you know? Right. And that's not always going to be easy, but shit. I mean, if it were easy, then everyone, everyone would do would it. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Absolutely. Right. Um, uh, taking where you are now, like we could just do, just make the assumption that three years ago, you were not thinking clearly. <laughs> um, five years ago, when you were in, <laughs> in, <laughs> It, five years ago, when you were in recovery, when you were when you were recovering from within your right. program and all of that, um, you my guess is you thought you had your shit together and 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 it was yeah it was, you know like um, so I want to take like you now today as a baseline in terms of like clear thinking when did you arrive or how or what happened to make you understand or, or know that you're in a new place of clear thinking? Well, some days it, I'm still not sure I'm there, but good. I'm trying. Good. 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 That's a <laughs> good answer. I like that. There's an awareness that there is, this is definitely not a place where I'm like, Oh, I've arrived. No, fuck no. In fact, I'm a huge advocate for knowing that I teach what I need to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I, I talk so much about certain subjects that I know I still need to apply in my life. I'm not being hypocrite. It's just, if I talk about relationships, you know, it's because it's something that I too need to, to continue to implement and grow and, and learn and seek mentorship from. Um, I think, honestly, I, I think it was in understanding that passing it on is the way for me to keep it. Um, and I knew that 
in helping others get recovery into their life. There was so much joy, even in my first five years, um, this whole idea of sponsorship and helping other people go through the steps in the context of the 12 steps was, was delightful. It really was. I mean, it was challenging because of many reasons, time and, you know, being a single parent, finding the time and the, all of that is willingness and time and time was always a thing for me. But when I did it, I felt a joy like no other. And then after the relapse and I had to deal with so much shame and how to integrate all of it, I come back into recovery and I all of a sudden get um, in connection with a new opportunity to thrive through working with a coach. I found She Recovers, who is a, an incredible community of women that support each other because, yeah. you know, we're all recovering from something and that's, that's really one of their tenets and principles. So it's not just addiction. It's, you know, workaholism and codependence and relationship and trauma and illness and, you know, all the things, all the yeah. hashtag, all the things. That's all um, the things. And, uh, and I think that that's when I was like, you know what, this coaching thing may just suit me. And I, there's something beautiful about being a student. And I went back and I still am a student. Every single time that I am not physically at work on something specific, I'm learning. You know, like I'm listening to your podcast. I'm reading books. One week it may be about more of a spiritual nature. Other week it'll be the neuroplasticity of the brain and addiction when, you know, I mean, it's all, it's all the students and then passing it on, you know, just passing it on to, to people that want to not just get sober, but right. who truly are attracted by this idea of fucking thriving because of my addiction and not being shy yeah. of talking about my addiction. You know, and, yeah. and that's really what has shifted the ownership and the feeling of joy for me. I mean, I understand that like when you went into this second round of recovery, um, that was a big point in which you were like, oh, this is different. I'm different. Yeah. In, in that, in that, since that time, have you seen yourself or have you surprised yourself in any way that's just like, oh my God, I am a completely different person? <laughs> um. You know, conversations like the one that you and I are having right now are so joyful for me because I, I feel a joy in my heart when I'm talking about this that is difficult to feel when you're just kind of keeping to yourself. Right. Um, I found myself going through a lot of um, clash of values, so to speak, and transitioning from being a sponsor and just doing you know, the context of the 12 steps, which was, again, for five years, it was all I knew about recovery, to shifting into, you know, being coached, uh, becoming a coach, engaging with other modalities of recovery, um, understanding the science part and the, you know, Buddhist part, and, and again, all of these things. And then all of a sudden, I'm a coach, and I have all of these new tools. And I'm charging for my services. Good. And so, and so, you know, it's a service, right? You, you take a training, you have your experience. I, to be frank with you, I, it's a beautiful combination. I don't think that the training would have done shit for me had I not deeply understand from the brain of the addict and my experience and all of it. And again, the, the, the mentorship that I had, even from day one, from my very first sponsor, who is still to the day, one of my biggest teachers. Um, but 
But yeah, so at the beginning, it was like, oh, shit, you know, I was supposed to do this, but now I do that. And so people would ask me even two years ago, like, what do you do? And I'd be like, I'm coming from a coach. <laughs> and they're like, talk to me about it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no, go to events. But I would still feel a little bit like imposter syndrome. Like, right, I'm not yeah. really sure what I'm doing because I kind of have this like Zaza Zoo, but I don't really know how to express it. So it's been a journey of just kind of stepping into it. Really, it's just stepping into the ownership of it, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, and then discerning what you really feel because the conversations out there are fascinating and they're all right. Every mm-hmm. single one of them are right for the person that is having those conversations, yeah. you know? And so I have to ask myself, how do I feel about, you know, this conversation about, I don't know, like some people just say that addiction is, just an experience and that you shouldn't ever label anyone addict or you know themselves as an addict that it was just an experience and i'm like how do i feel about that and then i have to come to terms well no i actually i think that's great for them and that's fantastic that they're talking about it and there's going to be people that are going to benefit from that aspect of that but that's not mine Right. And so I think that, again, it's an all in this self-confrontation. How do I really feel about this? And finding who the fuck I am now, you know? So you're I'm, constantly I, changing and opening yeah. yourself up to new conversations. Right. And so it's, it's really now that I kind of go, oh, I, I would never dare say that I know who I am, but I feel more comfortable in my skin now than I ever have before, you yeah. know? And it, and again, and it has everything to do with me being a fucking drunk. <laughs> right. Yeah. Absolutely. Today, I just who would who would know? <laughs> yeah. But no. Absolutely. The best schools, and you live here, and you live there, and you find you're thriving and your joy, and the fact that you are an alcoholic in recovery, you know. And right. I'm like, oh, that's my conversation. That's yeah. My <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and you know, I think a, a, a lot of people can't picture me as a hoodlum. Like I, I, one time as an artist, I found myself in the house of people and I looked around and I was like, oh my God, I am surrounded by the beautiful people. And, you know, and, and I brought that up to somebody, you know, like I had a friend who was a, uh, who was a therapist and I said, you know, like, how, how did I find myself here? And it was just like, well, maybe, maybe you're one of them. And I was just yeah. like, wait, what? Like, and then I had to really take some time to really embrace the fact that I am. And that's, you know, like, I'm not, I'm not a hoodlum, you know, I'm not a bad person. And yeah. in order to be that in, 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 and the bad person was the person who hated himself. Oh, and I don't sure. do that anymore. You know, See, and but that that's was... the shame that I was talking about that shame that we carry of, you know, who we are. And I think, I don't know if it's been your experience, but every person that I talked to, Martin, that went through, you know, the, the deep addiction like you and I did, we just, we carry so much shame from, from before and then from acting out whatever we did during our addiction, you know, but it's self-imposed, but then we're happy to buy all the shame that everyone puts on us because we feel we deserve it. And well, nobody's putting it on us. Like we, 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 I, I, I believe that we elect it and then we, place blame on others so that we can continue doing it right we perceive them as shaming us because we already have the shame yeah i guess what i'm saying is i would easily admit and hang my head when you know the boyfriend would say dude you were horrible i had to leave you in a bar because you started you know 
doing X, Y, Z. And rather than, you know, immediately say, well, actually, no, you should have taken me because I was drunk and I'm your girlfriend and you should have taken care of me or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. I, in that moment went, yep. Like I was like, yep, I'm I'm here. Just paste and pin whatever. And we can go even as deep as to say that is why people shy away from saying, I'm an alcoholic in recovery. Thank you, but no. I mean, you know, we don't I have agree. this expectation of addiction and recovery even us open because Lord forbid, what are they going to think of us? You know? And this is where, you know, conversations like this and conversation, and, you know, like I, I'm grateful for the conversations of, you know, the addicts that are, that are newly sober and talking about their journey and, you know, things like that openly and, and, and dropping anonymity. I never held anonymity. Um, I was always open about my, my recovery because I was so young. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's different moments for anonymity and, you know, openness. For mm-hmm. starters, obviously, I mean, if you're beginning in, in a program and again, back, back into, you know, if you are a member of, you know, AA, then there are certain traditions and certain, I mean, you can do whatever the hell you want in the context Outside, of that, right? No right, one is yeah. asking. right. And, and no one is saying, oh, break that. I mean, just, you know, do whatever. But, but now the people that are putting their voice out there, like people like you and me, I, I want, I would love to think that our conversations carry the hope of openly speaking about who we are and what happened in our experience without shying away from saying things like addiction, you know, and recovery. And I mean, I, in my work, I like, I have a, an executive position from eight to five that I do because I absolutely love, but it's a high level, you know, corporate environment. And of 600 people that are there, maybe, you know, 50 or 60 know that Pamela doesn't drink. But also 10 actually have come to me saying, dude, I noticed that you don't drink. And I, I have a bit of an issue with it. Like, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm in recovery. Yeah, no, no, I, I'm an alcoholic. And I, you know, can absolutely help you. Yeah. And so when you start to have these conversations, all of a sudden this door opens because I'm saying 10, right? But statistically one out of 10 people suffers from addiction. Yeah. So if we were really opening the door to see how many people around us really need our message of hope without the shyness of, Oh wow, I did it, but I really don't talk about it. And I just pretend like I'm on antibiotics because you know, and that's yeah. the reason why I don't drink then. We're never going to change a conversation ever. Right. And that's another reason for this conversation of recovering to or recovering the self, because I want to, I want that conversation to go somewhere because like you were saying earlier, it's like you can put it down. What's next? Like, what are you picking up? Like, like, like you got to year five, you were exiting uh, early sobriety as I, or early recovery. And then you were like, I don't have, I haven't picked anything up. You, you, you just have empty arms and you're just like, great. You have a glass of water. What, what's going to replace that? And that has to be you, yep. you know, and in I this second it. round for you, like, that's who you are. Like you are recovering yep. you and that connection with God, that connection with your higher power, that connection with like, like who you are before you were told who to be and you started running mm-hmm. from it. I have so much compassion for the person who thinks that when they come into this, it's all about not drinking. 
compassion because I'll, mm-hmm. and hopefully they will get, you know, their eyes will see something else. Hopefully they will get conversations like this one to reach them. Hopefully they will have mentors that say no, no. And hopefully they will have the seeking spirit, right? Because that's the thing. We really do think at the beginning, it's just about the not drinking or not doing this or not doing that or the not, you know, and, and, and so long as we're only fixated on focused, being focused on our addiction or leaving our addiction, we're not focused on our transformation. Right. And it's really our transformation that we need to be focused on. Otherwise, yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah, because because everything around us has transformed us into people who are running and checking out and people who are addicted and people who are trying to find something else because we have been told that we weren't enough. We have been told that we're not, you know, like all of the things, right? Like even in a relationship, right? Like Like you were talking where it's just like, oh, he didn't call. Does that mean something's wrong with me? Right. right? And it's like, no, not at all. Oh, my God. Like that's the, you know, like. Right. And, and, and it doesn't even matter if he calls or not, like there's nothing wrong with them and there's nothing wrong with you. It's just not there. And there was expectation and there was all of these other things that kind of came with it that kind of added so much of that, like, and it, and it, and that's part of the trauma that lives in the body. And that's, that's Mm -hmm. the thing that like, once we have awareness and we can kind of stop and pause, we can retrain, rewire, relearn who we are. Yeah. And I mean, and honestly, the beautiful thing is, is that once you do have, again, that awareness and that decision to start the recovery process, the healing, the detaching from that, the learning new tools, I mean, that's really what it is. You all of a sudden find yourself in a place where, oh, look, I'm starting to feel complete. I'm starting to feel whole. My coach um, my recovery coach, when I met her three years ago, as I was exiting or trying desperately to exit my relapse, um, I came to her and I said, will you work with me? Will you take me on as a client? And after talking to her a little bit and kind of explaining where I was, she looked at me and I will never forget this, Martin. She changed my life because she just looked at me and she said, kiddo, let's get you home. She didn't say, let's help you get sober. She didn't say, Let, she just said, let's get you home. Yeah. And I mean, until the day, that is one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard another human being put on my plate of possibility. Let's get you home. Like I was so lost. And, and I still wake up days where I'm like, what the fuck is happening? You know, but yeah. I have that awareness and I have that, that willingness and I just, I, I show up. And even if that day is not ideal for me, it's okay. I continue to show up, mm-hmm. you know, the next day. Oh, I'm <laughs> Thank you so much. I want to thank Pamela for opening up for us about her experience, her relapse, and how she has defined her recovery. Not all of us are going to look at our recovery in the same way as Pamela. Take me, for instance. My sobriety day takes into consideration my relapse, but I respect Pamela's approach in not including it. But giving that relapse the reverence it demands because it did disrupt her life for two years. This is yet another reminder that our recovery is ours, and however we get there, it's perfectly okay. They say an addict alone is in bad company, and that will be true for most of us, at least at the beginning. For myself, though, alone time is something I treasure. Being with myself is where I gain strength to allow others to be themselves, without judgment. However you need to move forward in your recovery, 
in clarity, I applaud you. As I mentioned earlier, we're giving away a bottle of RK's whiskey drink for this episode, so click the link in the description and register to win. Also, consider heading over to Anchor and supporting or leaving me a voice message on your thoughts of the show. I'm always looking to make this a better and more helpful arena for people, so your messages are super helpful. Once again, I'm Martin John, and you're listening to the Recover Yourself Podcast. Until we meet again, keep recovering yourself.